could RPE cell replacement therapy be the future of GA treatment? I'm Greg Notstein here with Scott Chriswanis, and this is New Retina Radio's coverage of the ARVO 2022 meeting from Retina Today and Bryn Mawr Communications. Today's chief medical editor, Dr. Alan Ho, joined us to discuss observations from the Phase 1-2A study evaluating the safety and efficacy of OpRegen, a suspension of allogeneic RPE cells implanted in the subretinal space. How well was this therapy tolerated, and were there any signs of vision improvement? Elsewhere in the GA pipeline, researchers are exploring whether the gene therapy GT005 might be a safe and effective one-time treatment for GA via upregulation of complement factor I. How does complement factor I affect the course of GA, and what are the latest data from a phase 1-2 study? Stick with us to hear Dr. Jared Nielsen walk us through the latest findings on that front. We've heard plenty about researchers trying to find treatments for geographic atrophy via complement system intervention. But what if there's another approach to GA therapy that circumvents the complement system, applying another framework altogether? One such approach is to implant GA patients with a suspension of allogeneic RPE cells. OpRegen is one such series of cells. A recent Phase 1-2A study sought to understand the safety of introducing OpRegen to eyes with advanced GA and characterized the functional and anatomic changes observed after the procedure. Retina Today's chief medical editor, Dr. Alan Ho, shared data from that study at this year's ARVO meeting, and he joins us today. Dr. Ho is the director of retinal research at Wills Eye Hospital and is a professor of ophthalmology at Thomas Jefferson University. Both of those institutions are in Philadelphia. Dr. Ho, welcome to the program. Thank you, Scott. Let's start with OpRegen, the engineering of which many audience members might be unfamiliar. OpRegen represents a human embryonic-derived stem cell line. It is what the lay public thinks about when they think about stem cells. It is clinical-grade and has been uh, FDA-approved and is currently being employed for this lineage OpRegen trial. The idea is whether or not we can replace cells in geographic atrophy. In, in, in distinction to some of the other current approaches for atrophy, uh, where we're looking to modulate the complement or immune system, this is actually trying to replace cells that have, um, that have withered in atrophy, looking in areas of complete outer retinal atrophy, and also in areas where there's smaller areas of incomplete atrophy, and to see whether or not it can improve visual function and of course, in the initial trial that we discussed, how safe is it? I see. And how exactly is OpRegen administered to the patient? OpRegen is a surgical delivery into the subretinal space, and it involves two different approaches of getting into that subretinal space adjacent to the areas of atrophy with surgery. The first approach is a transvitreal approach uh, where you do a vitrectomy and then you make a whole in the retina and inject the suspension of cells in the subretinal space. Very familiar 
kind of surgery to surgeons. The other approach is uh, less familiar. It's an approach we, we've used in other gene therapy and cell therapy trials, um, which is a supracroidal to subretinal approach that uses special hardware and requires some, some training, but is, but is doable once trained. Who exactly was enrolled in the study? The 24 subjects comprised four cohorts of patients. The first three cohorts, the first 12 patients were the legally blind group, average visual acuity, 2320, um, mean area of atrophy, about 13 millimeters squared. The cohort four, where we saw some more encouraging signs, predictably were better vision to start. They were on average at baseline 2125, and the area of geographic atrophy was about 7.4 millimeters squared, which is about three disc areas. So once again, when you look at geographic atrophy, if, you're, if you look at an intervention when the, the house has just started to kindle rather than totally burn down, we're seeing um, some more promising signs. That particular um, theme applies to some of the other uh, approaches to geographic atrophy as well. Can you tell me about the immunosuppressive regimen that was included in the study protocol? Uh, in this study protocol, we had subjects taking um, systemic immunosuppression uh, for up to um, six weeks or longer. Some of the subjects didn't take that it that long. We don't know actually if this is will be required, and we're going to work and fine tune that if this progresses to shorter durations of systemic immunosuppression. What else can you tell us about the study? First of all, it's, it's a different approach, um, cell replacement approach to atrophy. I like the approach because <clears throat> we're trying to ascertain not only whether or not we can slow something down, slow down aging, but whether we can actually stabilize or maybe improve function um, in patients who have progressive atrophy. And the take-home messages are that this appears to be safe after the phase one, two, 24 subject studies, that there are some imaging signs that, that are promising of some maybe incorporation of those cells at the level of the RPE, where the RPE should be. This, remember the cell line is uh, human allogeneic and is, is designed to, to kind of function more like a retinal pigment epithelial or neuroepithelial cell. And then the other interesting thing is we're seeing some interesting overlying anatomic improvements in the, in the macula, in the, in the layers of the retina above those cells that might um, corroborate or be or make us allow us to understand why some of these patients are seeing better. So this is an early phase study and safety is always something that's very important. Were there any safety signals in the study that were detected, say, all around rejection? Yeah, very good point. Um, no evidence of rejection of the cells. That's number one. No significant inflammation noted uh, from the cell line. The patients are, are given some immune suppression systemically and um, topical, uh, usual topical post-surgical drops like topical steroids and antibiotics. Um, but encouragingly, we did not see any um, signs of cell rejection or 
uh, inflammation or retinal vasculitis or some of the other things we've seen in other new treatments for AMD, we did see some of the subjects uh, have, <clears throat> having epiretinal membrane formation. And among the 24 3, uh, had a significant epiretinal membrane formation that required intervention. We know that cells, if they escape through a retinotomy, can cause membrane formation. And those patients that did have surgery, um, two did, one chose not to, um, they did fine. Um, but epiretinal membrane formation is something to, to be noted. And then let's talk about any signs of change to visual function. First of all, you're right, small numbers. Second of all, open label. So that means that the subjects know whether or not they got intervention. They know whether or not they have surgery, of course. There's no control arm. With respect to vision function, um, we did see some interesting findings. And um, particularly in the second cohort where we saw we started with patients with better visual acuity. So the first three cohorts or the first 12 subjects um, had were the, the legally blind. We started with worse vision, on average about 2,300 vision. Um, and those patients did have uh, some letters of improvement over time. So did the control arm actually. I mean, so did the fellow eyes, not control arm. The fellow eyes were used as control. Um, in the cohort four, 12 subjects, where they started with better visual acuity, uh, we did see uh, about a uh, one-line improvement in visual acuity. So um, these are one and a half lines of uh, 7.6 letters to be exact, while the control arm only had 1.7 letters. So there, there were some signs of maybe not just slowing down atrophy, but maybe improving function that kind of were corroborated by some of the OCT imaging that we saw. Um, again, small numbers very early, but a little provocative. And in the context of something that seems relatively safe, um, it kind of impels us to look at this uh, more carefully in a larger uh, control trial, in my opinion. Talk to me about those OCT data. Were there any particular anatomic changes that were surprising? Yeah, we saw layers, a hyper-reflective layer at the layer of where above Brooks membrane where we deposited the cells. Um, <clears throat> we saw some overlying macular outer nuclear external limiting membrane changes that looked um, like there might be some evidence of rejuvenation of some macular architecture in the outer retina, not to be overstated, but at the same time, this is what we saw. I mean, these are matched images, pre-surgical to post-surgical months, one, three, six, et cetera. And there are some areas that are interesting um, within the atrophy and in small areas of atrophy that are, that are intriguing, I would say. One more time, give our audience the take-home points from this study. Absolutely. The take-home points from the OperaGen lineage phase one, two study for geographic atrophy are that this is a allogeneic uh, human FDA approved cell line. It has some safety profile that is acceptable in this 24 subject open label study. There were OCT uh, anatomic uh, changes that were intriguing that might suggest that the layers of cells persist in that they can 
uh, in some circumstances improve architecture overlying them in the neurosensory macula. And with small numbers and in the better vision cohort, we saw some subjects with improvement in vision. Again, all the caveats of a small number open label study, but I think this really does, um, does impel us to take a look at this in a larger controlled fashion. So um, more to come. Uh, preliminary, but I would say encouraging. Dr. Ho, congrats on a successful presentation and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Injectable therapies under investigation for the treatment of geographic atrophy, if they were to be approved, could be a lifeline to preserve sight for millions of patients. Still, they face a problem we see with injectable therapies for wet AMD. The need for routine office-based visits that increase the burden of treatments on patients and caregivers, appointment-related anxieties, and the high likelihood of treatment noncompliance. You can imagine the potential a more durable therapy might have, particularly if it requires a single administration. One approach under investigation is gene therapy, namely GT005. To hear more about GT005, we invited Dr. Jared Nielsen to the program to discuss his recent ARVO presentation. Dr. Nielsen is in practice at the Wolf Eye Clinic in West Des Moines, Iowa. Dr. Nielsen, welcome to New Retina Radio. Scott, it's really a pleasure to be here to talk about some results from Gyroscope's focus trial. I'm passionate about geographic atrophy and looking forward to a future potentially when we can treat patients for a disease which currently today doesn't have an FDA-approved treatment. GT005 therapy is linked with complement factor I regulation. Our listeners have heard plenty about complement components 3 and 5, but maybe not so much about complement factor I can you remind us what we need to know? Factor I is associated with AMD development. We learned that from the genome-wide association studies and other work that's been done. And I think in particular, some work that was done by David Cavanaugh and coworkers where they looked at CFI gene sequences in over 3,000 AMD subjects, they were able to identify a subpopulation in which they had rare CFI gene variants that correlated with low serum factor I and an increased risk of advanced AMD. And so they were able to show us there were patients with a, uh, or definable group of patients with CFI haploinsufficiency who could potentially respond favorably to factor I supplementation. And, you know, that's great, but the amount of patients with CFI mutations is relatively small. And so looking at a broader AMD population, I think some of the work done by the late Peter uh, Lackman um, is important. He took serum samples from people with a range of risk scores for developing AMD based upon their underlying genotype. For example, variants in C th uh, C3 and CFH. And then he supplemented those serum samples with recombinant factor I and measured inactivated C3B formation as a marker of complement system activity. And he was able to show in those patients with a uh, diverse genetic uh, risk for developing AMD that he, he could transform a high-risk phenotype into a low-risk phenotype. 
And so uh, from that work, we, we can show that this may have applicability to a much more broader base of AMD patients, not just those that have the complement factor I mutations. Given the genetic underpinnings then of complement factor I expression, it seems like gene therapy is a natural progression. Can you talk to me about the FOCUS study and about its approaches to delivering therapy? I'd be happy to, Scott. The FOCUS uh, trial is looking at two different surgical methods to administer subretinal GT005. One method is a traditional transvitreal or transretinal approach where we inject the, uh, perform a vitrectomy and inject the AAV2 vector right through, uh, right underneath the retina. Um, the other part of the trial, which is not the part that I uh, presented on, but will be presented at future Congresses, is the use of the SDS device, which um, is a, gets into the suprachoroidal space and then you get a needle that penetrates uh, into the subretinal space and delivers it without having to perform a vitrectomy. So the, our study uh, is looking at both methods but the data that I presented at Arvo is really focused on the first cohorts, one through four, which looked at the transvitreal de delivery. Well, why don't you tell us about some of the safety data you found? Safety, of course, important in an early phase study here. Yeah, I'd love to. Our safety data that we reported was, uh, was basically all the data that we had up until the March uh, 22 cutoff. And in 31 patients, uh, we didn't see any significant uh, AEs uh, or uh, significant SAEs, I should say. And uh, we didn't have any significant inflammation. So we have a benign immunogenicity profile, which is really important for our patients. We're performing vitrectomies. So naturally, we have some treatment-related adverse events uh, that you might expect, uh, irritation, suture-related issues, um, uh, conjunctival hyperemia. There has been cataract progression uh, reported in a few patients. And then we are seeing some uh, RPE changes in the area of the subretinal bleb uh, in six patients. Uh, these are uh, undetermined, really, what's causing these and how significant they are, and we're monitoring them very carefully throughout the study. Um, and so we're, so far, the safety data is looking pretty good. Let's talk about any signs of efficacy so far. Again, it's an early phase study. It comes with all the caveats that it's a small patient population, but I'm curious if you saw any increase in complement factor I production after the procedure. Yeah, that's one of the more exciting things about the early results from this trial. Now, just to be clear, if we are going to see a production in factor I, we not only need to see the factor I increase, but we need to see that it modulates the complement pathway. And um, that's exactly what we've seen so far. So we have biomarker data uh, from 13 patients in at two separate type points after the administration of the treatment agent. And uh, we see a substantial increase in factor I, which is exactly what we'd hope to see. And we're seeing this at a level that we think would have a clinical effect, a cl you know, something that would be clinically meaningful. But we're also um, seeing an alteration 
of some of the other complement biomarkers um, to show that we're not only impacting the uh, downregulation arms uh, of the or downregulation pathways of the complement system, but they're also affecting the amplification loops as well. So we're seeing decreases in uh, vitreous um, local BA and C3 breakdown products. And we're also seeing a decrease in vitreous C3, which in my mind is particularly important because it's upstream of where factor I works. And um, I get excited that we might be able to use this therapy potentially to uh, modulate the complement system uh, with a one-time treatment. Tell us about the patients who were enrolled. Yeah, that's an important thing to consider. The FOCUS trial is a phase one, two trial that looked at patients that had bilateral geographic atrophy. Uh, no evidence of choroidinia vascularization in either eye. And so it's a, a typical geographic atrophy population. Our population did include central involving geographic atrophy. And you know what we're going to be looking for later in this trial is, you know, are we having an effect on GA progression? So um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing that in this group of patients, hopefully. What's next for GT005? Well, I think uh, we've got to finish the current uh, trials. Uh, we're hopeful, uh, at least my understanding is we're hopeful that things will be enrolled fairly soon. And then we need to, to be uh, patient and collect additional data. I've told people that gene therapy, uh, GA research, all, all GA research really is, is looking at what I think is a turtle race. It's, it's slow going. And uh, so uh, I think we just need to be con uh, continue to be vigilant, looking for safety issues in these patients, but then also looking not only at the biomarker data, but hopefully uh, at a clinical signal that is relevant. Thanks for giving us an update, Dr. Nielsen. Oh, it's really my pleasure, Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks for joining us on New Retina Radio's second episode of Arvo podcast coverage. Be sure to rate the podcast on whatever platform you're using. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Just tap subscribe in your podcast platform of choice. This was our second episode of Arvo 2022 coverage. Our third and final episode will be out next week. Stay tuned.